on this episode of The Hot Sheet, talk about WeWork officially filing for bankruptcy, 13 and a half years to profitability for homebuyers today, and I am not in a WeWork. I am in Zillow's hub. I'll tell you all about that. I am Byron Lazine. Today is November the 7th, and The Hot Sheet starts now. All right, welcome into the Hashi. Let me know in the live chat which market you're tuning in from. I'm tuning in live again from Austin, Texas. I'm in the middle of the Zillow hub. There's traffic all around me, but I am not inside of a WeWork today. This is kind of what their um, their hub, as they call it, looks like. They're, it's not a vendor alley because it's all their own products, of course. Uh, you've got follow-up boss on the other side of that wall, their recent acquisition of $500 million last week so i'll give you some takeaways from unlock of course uh from yesterday and, we'll, and then we'll get into the meat of the hot sheet but really happy to be with all of you guys uh see a whole bunch of you guys tuning in from all over the place and uh i'm not in a we work today which is exciting because yesterday's we work was interesting to say the least there was activity there but I didn't realize that it was three floors. There was three levels to that we work here on Congress Street in Austin. Uh, so when I took that into perspective, this was on my way out this was after the hot sheet. When I took that into perspective, I realized how little of the square footage was utilized in that uh, in that in that space in that we work. One of the big questions on my way out from a we worker or a we work. I guess, uh, member to one of the WeWork workers was, why isn't the Nitro Brew Coffee working? Okay, so what's not working right now at WeWork is everything. WeWork did officially file bankruptcy yesterday, once valued at $47 billion. Uh, and if you missed yesterday's hot sheet, go check it out. We were live. I was live from a WeWork off of the news that uh, they had halted the stock and that WeWork was about to file bankruptcy. This is now official. The office sharing company WeWork filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in federal court yesterday. Uh, again, in 2019, valued at $47 billion in a round led uh, by SoftBank. Of course, SoftBank has invested in companies like um, Compass Brokerage, for example. The company tried and failed to go public five years ago. And uh, it disclosed in August regulatory filing that bankruptcy could be a concern. So uh, the, the bankruptcy filing is limited to WeWork's locations in the U.S. and in Canada. The company said in a press release, uh, WeWork reported liabilities ranging from 10 to $50 billion. Yesterday, we talked about that number, $16 billion in losses. Uh, WeWork CEO David Tolley said in a press release, I'm deeply grateful for the support of our financial stakeholders as we work together to strengthen our capital structure and expedite this process through the restructuring support agreement. We remain committed to investing in our products, services, and world-class team of employees to serve our community. Now, remember, yesterday I said there's going to be a couple of things that happen. Either somebody's going to come and see WeWork as an opportunity, or WeWork themselves are going to want to restructure. With that, there are going to be issues 
in commercial real estate. We were, I mean, I think here in Austin, when I looked it up, there was like six locations just in this city alone. So through that restructuring agreement for WeWork, they're going to go to a lot of these leaseholders and they're going to either cancel leases in areas that don't have, you know, high membership or high traffic or not value, you know, valuable areas. They're either going to try to renegotiate the lease, bringing the terms down or coming in and saying, hey, we'll partner with you uh, to try to retain some of this. There's going to be some type of restructuring or renegotiating there. And then the third option is some of the really great locations. They may not, you know, if they're if they're already profitable on it, they may not touch those locations. But across the board, there's going to be a lot of leaseholders that feel some pain from WeWork. Now, we know commercial banking, we talked about this yesterday, has $3 trillion coming due when you look at office buildings specifically on the refinance. Right now, the, these banks that are hold, a lot of regional banks holding uh, these loans have a balance sheet that reflects yesterday's valuation, not the current valuation. When they go to refinance and they dig into some of these, hey, so-and-so is not paying the lease, you're vacant. WeWork's trying to, for example, renegotiate the lease. The building value comes down. It means the balance sheet of these banks is going to come down. So there's definitely going to be concern going into the new year on commercial real estate. Uh, Kristen, I am in Austin, Texas at Zillow's <laughs> at Zillow's Unlock here. So I'm in the Zillow Hub. Maybe I'll take a little. Let me know in the comments. Let me take a little stroll around Zillow Unlock before we sign off in the hot sheet. I'm willing to do it. I don't think I'll get thrown out of here. No media is technically supposed to be here at Zillow Unlock. You know, legacy media, they're not letting them in. But uh, when you're BAM, you can wear your team hat, your BAM hat, and you can get into these things. So let me know if uh, – let me do a little stroll around Unlock Hub, and I'll, and I'll show you that. Uh, so to wrap up the WeWork story, I do believe uh, this is going to impact commercial real estate. I think you're going to hear a lot more stories – on especially office buildings going to 2024 this is this is one of those big 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 things that can pull down the you know the economy is if we have a crisis on commercial real estate because that means crisis on regional banking as well um kristen no i am not at nar next which i think is next week by the way nar next i think that's in anaheim next week uh all right so th there's your story on we were talking about profitability. Zillow has a report. Zillow, huh? Zillow has a report. If you buy a home, how long will it take you to profit on your home sale if you're buying now? Okay, we know how unaffordable this market can be. If you go over to my Twitter, uh, my Twitter X, rather, I got to really start calling it X. Let me know if you call it Twitter or Twitter or X. Where are you on that whole? Uh, renaming and rebranding of Twitter. But if you go over my Twitter at Byron Lazine, Lance Lambert, I don't know if you can pull this tweet up. I retweeted Lance Lambert from Resi Club, Bobby. Um, I'll just read it off to you. We'd return to pre-pandemic housing affordability. We would return to pre-pandemic housing affordability. Housing affordability is pretty great pre-pandemic if one of these three things happened. Number one, U.S. income spike. 62% promise you that will not happen. U.S. home prices fall 38%. Here's the tweet now. If you watch 
mortgage rates fell 4.4%. All of these three categories seem very unlikely in the short term. U.S. income spiking 62%. U.S. home prices falling 38%. We don't have a great financial cliff coming. Mortgage rates falling 4.4%. That's not coming anytime soon. So this is according to Black Knight data. Okay, so you're going to have to see a little bit in each. The biggest opportunity for home affordability would be prices uh, because we're looking at higher interest rates for longer, even though we've seen a little bit of a reprieve there in the last seven days or so. You're not going to see income spike 62%. Uh, you know, that's just that's unrealistic. That's not going to happen. So in this unaffordability, uh, unaffordable market that we're living through, Zillow reports that the cost, uh, obviously, of home buying has soared. And now new home buyers you're buying today can expect to spend approximately 13 and a half years before they would be able to sell at a profit. This is obviously an average overall for the purchase, mortgage interest, and sale costs that went into the home. So when they're looking at profit, they're calculating in that mortgage interest. So not taking a true appreciation number. So obviously top line, that number is going to appreciate. And that's something that if a consumer is seeing this report, might want to explain to them that, hey, the mortgage interest, the 30-year fixed rate, even at freaking 8%, <clears throat> is such a great wealth builder in this country that most other countries don't have. Okay, so I think they're kind of skewing the numbers there. Uh, but a 3%, according to Zillow's numbers here, and I, I don't know, I probably shouldn't say anything bad about Zillow. I'm going to get zapped here. Uh, I think they have potentially, they potentially have the room bugged here. No, I'm just kidding. But a 3% down payment would require 13 years and six months to make a profit. A 5% down payment would require 13 years and three months to make a profit. A 10% down payment would require 12 years and seven months to make a profit. 20% down payment would require 11 years and three months to make a profit. Uh, so that's just based off of, again, that Zillow number uh, which you, you can you can chop this number up a couple of different ways. Uh, but Zillow's analysis took into account the typical home values, forecasted home value increases based on Zillow's HVI, their home value index, and assumptions for the closing costs, the agent fees, the time of closing, the home maintenance costs, and those interest payments. <clears throat> Estimates are also based on current market conditions. Time, I think I would take those interest payments out. I'd love to hear uh, the reason why they include those interest payments in uh i guess they're you know looking at a true profitability number now most people and i'd love to know in your market how long are they staying in the home you're seeing a lot of people stay in now 10 11 years that number could be on the rise to reflect um this analysis by zillow anyways but, but bobby let's go to the slide here um and show some of the the big outliers where it's going to take you even more than 10 or 11 years. If you can zoom into this, Bobby, that'd be great. Look at Cleveland, Ohio, um, 23 years. Bobby, if you can zoom into that so it's not so small on the screen for those uh, that are looking, there you go, thank you. 21 years, rather, for Cleveland, Ohio. That's only, This is only 20% with interest down payment. Um, if you were to go to 3%, it's going to be, go, go to 3%. Let's see what that number does there when we uh, when we hit 3%. Look at that number jumps up to 23 years in a month. All right, go, go back to 20%. Let, let's actually, you know, let's play in the middle. Let's go 10% down payment. Take a look at some of these locations uh, with interest. How many years it would take to get to profitability if you buy today, or based off of 
based off of where in the market today. The market's going to shift over a 20-year period. We know that for sure. El Paso's at 20 years. Baton Rouge. Talked about yesterday, Baton Rouge having um, a huge increase in inventory right now. So Baton Rouge getting beat up a little bit on their housing market, 20 years and 11 months. As that inventory increases, you're going to see prices drop in a market like Baton Rouge. And you'll probably see this number drop. Hartford, Connecticut, which has very limited inventory. You're still seeing high competition in a market like that. 19 years and 11 months. The same will be for New Haven, Connecticut. We have 18 uh, years and two months. Very little inventory. Columbia, uh, South Carolina, 17 years, 10 months. Smaller market. Cincinnati, 17 years, 9 months. Moving down, Raleigh, North Carolina, which is one of the most vibrant markets. And, and I would argue this number for Raleigh just because I think there's so much upside. So many people are going to be relocating to Raleigh in the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, but Raleigh on the list here, according to Zillow, is the way they're analyzing this profitability. It, it's going to take 17 years plus in Raleigh. Detroit, 16 years plus. Uh, let us know in the comments if there's something you know, you'd like to see. I see a good morning from Scottsdale. Is Phoenix on this list? Uh, New Orleans, 14 years, 8 months. Salt Lake City is 13 years, 9 months. OKC is... 14 years, five months. Where's Phoenix on the list? Curious to see Phoenix. Minneapolis, 13 years. Keep scrolling. There's Cape Coral, Florida. Uh, there's Phoenix right there. 11 years and five months in Phoenix, New York. 11 years and three months. All right. So we'll have the chart linked up. BAMX members, <clears throat> of course, you get access to all of the daily downloads. Uh, BAMX members, you can just download the, uh, the chart. Actually, if you go back to the chart, um, let's go all the way to the bottom. It was interesting. The bottom four locations were all in California. California, you think of as really being unaffordable, but based on the acceleration of prices, what I'm guessing, you have LA, San Diego, San Francisco, and San Jose. It only take you eight years or less to turn a profit in those markets. Really interesting um, to see those. So if I'm, you know, with all of the, if I'm an agent in LA, <clears throat> I got to sit next to a Beverly Hills agent last night hey man the market is really down their business was you know he said business was down 50 percent super super luxury agent um which is really the market's getting beat up you know he talked about the mansion tax he, he talked about some of the issues that are going on in la where you see a lot of the headlines and the publicity in a market like la or in a market like san francisco where the city is in real precarious shape right moving forward but if i'm in one of those markets I'm going to say, hey, you know, you want to move to freaking Cleveland, Ohio, where, where it's cheaper to buy a house? It's going to take you 23 years to turn a profit. It's only going to take you six years and six months here in San Jose. So you can use these numbers and these these analysis, which you can argue, and we can argue the analysis as Zillow did here one way or another. But when if it's a benefit for your, for your market, like in Miami right now, eight years, seven months, compared to the other locations, like it is in Tampa, like it is in L.A., like it is in San Francisco, I might be leading – um, with a messaging to my database or, you know, on my email list that, hey, here in San Francisco, it only takes you seven years to turn a profit where the rest of the country, it takes you 13 years. I might find a way to say that shorter verbiage to be able to highlight the benefit of buying in San Francisco. OK, and obviously you would source Zillow and that data there um, and, and back that up with some local data. But I want to use that information when it benefits. All right. For those of you that want to take a walk around here, Zillow Unlock, let me just share first 
couple of things that um, I can share from this Zillow meeting. Um, Susan Daimler, who is, I believe, the president of Zillow uh, right now, she's in that top two or three of the company. Um, she talked about Zillow's policy um, thoughts going forward in light of everything going in, in real estate. Number one, Zillow believes in access to data, free and transparent. It's how they built this brand, obviously, um, having access to data, being, um, you know, consumers being able to have access to everything. Number two is interesting. I like your thoughts below on, on this take from Zillow. Independent representation. Here's a quote from Susan. Dual agency harms the customer. Okay, so Zillow's take is independent representation. Uh, consumers want representation. They want an agent in light of everything that happened last week. This, this is Zillow's comments there. Um, but Zillow's standpoint is dual agency, same agent representing both sides, harms the customer. Customers want representation, shouldn't be a dual agent. I know that's a touchy subject. Love to know your thoughts um, on their second point to policy down below in the comments. And then number three, they believe in fair compensation. Consumers should understand everything clearly. But they do um, uh, believe in fair compensation. Four real estate agents believe that the, the customer, as they have over 90% of the time, are going to want to continue to use an agent, okay? Uh, let's take a walk around. For those that want to just take a quick walk around, I will show you the Zillow hub here at Unlock. You know, last week, if you were focused in on the, um, the follow-up boss news, follow-up boss, of course, is integrated already after their announcement fully into Unlock. We know the deal's been in the works for a little bit. Uh, what they're calling their genius bar here at Zillow Unlock. They are launching real-time touring. For those of you that um, don't know what I mean by real-time touring, think Uber. The consumer picks the time of the showing, and uh, the agent, whether you got something going on or not, doesn't matter. Uh, you have to accept that. So that, that's where I think teams are a little bit more likely to do the real-time touring, which they just launched. This is that, remember they bought Showing Time? If you're a Showing Time user, maybe, maybe you don't even realize that they own Showing Time. And so now they're launching Showing Time Plus, which is, uh, is going to actually um, be for listing agents there. This is their big one here. You're going to hear more about this in 2024 than maybe anything else Zillow does. You'll see a ton of commercials around Zillow home loans. Um, they've got their... Zillow Academy section here. Um, but look, I mean, they've done a good job. They've got very loungy areas everywhere. And then uh, Zillow Premier Agent Tools. So that is a little preview of what's going on at Zillow Unlock. Rich Barton, CEO of Zillow, is going to speak today. I'm interested to see if he's going to take uh, have a take on all of the recent real estate news. Uh, over the past week, he's going to touch on NAR. Uh, I doubt he will, but maybe he will. Um, if he's going to touch on the verdict from last week, I'll be interested to see um, what he has to say about that. And just really everything else that's going on in the industry. He's speaking this morning. I will be in session for that. 
uh, curious to hear. And I will share with you any takeaways I have from Zillow Unlock on here on day two. If you want to get the most out of what we're doing at BAM, we do this hot sheet every day that the markets are open. Certainly join us in BAMX. You can use code HOT to get 10% off. BAMX prices are going to go up substantially on December 1st. Everybody who gets into BAMX and is in now is going to be grandfathered in on their price. So when we, we go up on these prices December 1st, um, you'll be grandfathered in as a BAMX member. Uh, but everybody after December 1st will be up on a uh, much bigger increase. Here's the 10-year at 4.6. So hanging by 4.6 here, which is really good. Um, and then uh, the 30-year did pop a little bit yesterday. We went up off of that 738 number to 748. Uh, hopefully we can get, get that back down a little bit today. But just being under 7.5 feels good when we, when we breached 8 not too long ago. Uh, Jeremy Knight will be hosting the hot sheet tomorrow, also from Austin, but I'll be on a plane over to Connecticut. I'll be joining you back on the hot sheet Thursday and Friday from Connecticut. Uh, hope all of you guys have a great day. If you're here uh, by chance at Unlock, definitely come say hello, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Oh, no real word pod today. Okay, no real word. We're doing real word tomorrow, but there will be a uh, interview. I interview Tamir, CEO of Real Brokerage, and Sharon, the president of Real Brokerage. That is being released on the channel here later today. You do not want to miss that interview I did uh, with those two gentlemen. And uh, other than that, I'll see you guys soon. Toodaloo.